Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suami. And I'm James Rathbone. And today, we are talking about a rapper whom, just a few weeks ago, we both said we're not really into. Mm-hmm. But I think things have changed with this new project that has put out. We're but, talking about but. Tyler, the creator, and his new project, Igor. But we're also going to talk a bit about his history with Odd Future, Odd Future in general, and just Tyler's impact on hip-hop and culture at large. Life comes at you fast. You know, one week you can be saying, this isn't for me. Then next you're going to have to be eating your words on public record. It's true. It's true. Um, but before we get into that, we have a few housekeeping notes. First of all, just want to shout out all all of you for supporting the podcast. Shout out our patrons. Uh, got a new patron want to shout out? Mr. Stephen H. Stephen, thank you very much. We, we're glad that you found us. We're glad that you're contributing to the future of the podcast. Um, we want to thank everyone who's been hitting us up on Instagram. Once again, our Instagram account is at Ketchup Podcast. Please follow us uh, and feel free to you know comment on episodes, tag us when you're listening to the podcast, uh, make suggestions for like new episodes. Um, yeah, and and also please support our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash ketchup podcast. Once again, this goes a long way towards ensuring that we can continue to pay our producer, Kyle, and that we can continue to put in the time and work required to make this a very enjoyable listen for you guys. Uh, if you're in Toronto, we have an event coming up this week. It's Friday night. It is Boosie Fade 36. It's our flagship party. I don't know. The, the, the first the first big par- Boosie Fade of the of the of the summer is always a, a beautiful night. Mm-hmm. And like, this is a, a place you want to be. Uh, the shop has been renovated. It's bigger. It's better, better ventilated. Mm-hmm. The air co- I think yeah, it's going to be two bars now, two bars. It's not going to be as hot as, as it traditionally has been in my, that's my assumption. Um, so yeah, we hope to see you there. Uh, yeah. Bring your ass on out. Uh, let's get into the episode. So, James, when did you first hear about Odd Future? Oof. Um, Odd Future might be one of the first acts who I don't think I had heard of uh, before they kind of, like, landed with, like, a kind of an explosion, I felt like. In the sense that Odd Future kind of came, it felt like they were really, like, one of the first sort of this, of the internet, like, overnight success stories. You know, people like, like us of sort of the the last decade who were around before that, like uh, say like a Drake or a Kendrick, I kind of seen their name around for a while before mm-hmm. they, they exploded, but odd future in uh, was it two, early 2010. Yeah. That they uh, kind of appeared and they were like, it was like they were instantly everywhere with, uh, well, I mean, there was like Earl. Yes. The Earl song, song and video. Video. But that's maybe that's my the one that really sticks out for me. But I don't even think that was the first thing. No, I I think I feel like it all kind of happened like so fast, so fast. And I think I maybe heard about them like one. I feel like maybe a, like a week or two before they had this legendary performance on Jimmy Fallon's show, mm-hmm. where Tyler and Haji performed sandwiches, and most Def was there, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh yeah." This was the, around the time where they were they were all saying swag. Swag, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and and most Def was there and like was freaking out, but yeah. uh, I think just in general, like 
I just remember them being like catnip to music journalists because yeah. there was just so much going on in the music. Um, so first of all, like just like thinking of like the odd future structure of it being like kind of like a collective, mm-hmm. you know, of all of these different rappers and producers and um, DJs, etc. But like Tyler being the head of that and being kind of like the the leader, and he was somebody who wasn't just an artist; he was a producer, mm-hmm. he was a rapper. He designed all of the album covers, like he had like visual art capabilities, mm-hmm. and. He just always seemed to be the one that really embodied the OF spirit, the but to like the the farthest degree. It was like he like all the other people kind of brought their own thing, mm-hmm. but like the like you know Bart Simpson delinquent uh, kind of throwback Eminem type of vibe, the sort of horrorcore ish like piss people off thing, mm-hmm. part of the Odd Future. Tyler, that always really to me seemed to emanate the most from Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely had the the biggest you know, nihilistic streak of any of the rappers mm-hmm. are in the group. But I think also, um, I mean, f- so for somebody who doesn't know what horrorcore is, like, how would you describe it? Horrorcore uh, is sort of like, I always associate it with like the post uh, kind of like Wu-Tang uh, sound. That, it was like a hardcore sound that came. I think the first horrorcore act is like Gravediggers, uh, uh-huh. which uh, is like a RZA-led side project from 1994 uh around the same time you've got artists like brother lynch hung uh mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got uh you know kind of people like cage and eminem in detroit um necro in new york yeah. and Ill bill it's sort of like rapping about murdering people basically yeah like, it's called horrorcore but they don't really talk about like zombies and witches and uh, you know other like scary like monsters so much they really just talk about murder it's yeah i feel like i mean i think there is an element of horrorcore that does get into that yeah, kind of stuff true, yeah the more insane clown posse yeah exactly kinda, insane clown like, posse. fantasy I don't, yeah that, and i don't really know much about that mm-hmm. never had an insane clown posse phase i can see it for you though <laughs> it's not too late either. yeah we can go to the gathering of the jugglers one year with hamilton catch, with ketchup hamilton's got a decent juggalo population i'm astonished I, yeah <laughs> i went to a bar once and there was a juggalo gathering what yeah like i don't know 20 juggalos all in one place that's an episode of high maintenance i'd watch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah horrorcore is like it's i mean as james mentioned it, it really is usually like really graphic depictions and descriptions of various types of murder and like you know uh the macabre yeah. <laughs> like just I mean, really Getter dark boys are kind of like an early, the yeah, early but i don't think it was called horrorcore at the time like i think no. it kind of like the term came out like mind playing tricks on me might be what you could call the first horrorcore song it just wasn't horrorcore at the time it was just like get up boys making a halloween theme song yeah it was like psycho it's like it's psychological like, horror yeah, yeah. you know um but yeah, and also Three Six Mafia have dabbled in it oh, as true, well. Yes, they, they, I love when they're like Satanism was like one of their like real selling points. Uh-huh. You know, Three yeah, six, six Mafia. Yeah, yeah, it's the devil's the devil's mafia. Devil's mafia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like and and a big part of the odd, early Odd Future wave was this like horror. It was like essentially contemporary horror horror core. Mm-hmm. It also was like really, honestly, quite disgusting. It's yeah. like. There, it wasn't just murder. It was like they were talking about like rape and like incest yeah. and like all kinds of stuff that was just like so profoundly fucked up. Yeah, it was like four chan rap. <laughs> it's for real though, but I think also part of part of what music journalists were so interested in about them was this, but it was also their attitude about it, which mm-hmm. was 
which wasn't didn't seem so much like they were like oh we like actually do this it was mm-hmm. just like we just like saying stuff we just like saying off the wall shit yeah you know it was like very like uh we just want to be provocative we don't you know stand by this actually at all we just so much homophobia so much homophobia which is like very ironic in retrospect Uh uh-huh uh it was like but it was like very much i remember writing a blog post about them that was like uh about how it's like troll trolling music like it's like you know in the spirit trolls kind of come to mean uh anyone who just like tries to piss people off on the internet uh and while it's that i more meant even like people who would consciously choose to go on a message board and take on a persona that would be the thing that would piss off like everybody on the message board whether that was by being like vulgar or just as simple as like joining like the bmw message board and being like i'm here because i really like mercedes-benz it was like there was something so antagonistic about odd future Mm -hmm. more than them being like like, for example, with, like, Necro, uh, his whole thing was really that, like, I live, like, a really grisly, gnarly life, and, like, this is just, like, the kind of shit I'm into. I'm into, like, fucked up shit. And off future, it didn't even seem like they really cared that much. You know, it was, uh-huh. like, really, they just, like, pissing people off. It's true. And they and it's, like, they would go to any cost to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, exactly. Which includes, like, you know, saying the F word yeah. and not fuck. Like, yeah. like repeatedly, yeah. despite having like queer members of the group, yeah. you know, uh, or, you know, say, saying the N word with the ER on it, you know what I mean? Like they were just like doing anything that they, that they thought would like rankle people, usually people that are older than them. Mm-hmm. But I think on top of that, the other thing is that their early music was pretty good. Yeah, you know, I think that's was. the thing. It's like, if it was just all of this, this like kind of like nihilism and like teenage angst and sticking their thumb in the eye of authority without actually having the music to back it up it wouldn't have gone anywhere but they did have the music and they did have some versatility so you obviously on one hand you have like earl who's like kind of like even at the age of 16 with just like an extremely gifted wordsmith yeah but even like the stuff with like with tyler's early stuff with haji beats and then you had haji beats and left brain Mm -hmm. um as a duo they had really good songs and like the song they performed on Jimmy Fallon was one of my favorite. I mean that that national TV debut, but it was one of my favorite early odd future songs. It's called song called Sandwiches, and it's Tyler and Haji Beats, and they. I think they did a really good job of kind of having kind of like gothic esque production that mm-hmm. still like had a lot of the same like similar familiar drum patterns enough that it sounded like not too out of lockstep with what was was currently going on, mm-hmm. but it still sounded very different. So let's listen to a little bit of sandwiches from Tyler, the creator, and Haji Beats right now. Fuck invited, mister. I don't give a fuck who cries about his daddy in a blog because his music sucked. I did. Well, you fucking up, and truthfully, I had enough and fuck rolling papers. I'm a rebel bitch, I'm ashing blunt. Sorry. Full of shit like I ate that, John. Come on, kids, fuck that class and hit that bomb. Let's buy guns and kill those kids with dads and mom with nice homes, 401ks, and nice ass but yeah so i mean you can kind of get a you get a sense of like their energy from a song like that but mm-hmm. it i think that what was really interesting to a lot of people that it, it wasn't just one or two songs it was like the whole aesthetic was mm-hmm. this kind of like gory 
death obsessed, you yeah. know, and just like kind of like, uh, you know, it was like like I always think about how kind of to me they're like the, their chant that was like um, burn shit, uh, fuck school, school, kill people, kill people. I was just like to me, I was like okay. It's like something that like the a grade nine boy like writes in a in a desk, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that's like that was like it's funny because with Odd Future like when they initially came out, I was like twenty two twenty two twenty three years old, and I was like I'm too old for this music. Hmm. And I don't, you know, now I still listen to f- fucking teenagers rapping, and I'm like, yeah, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> but like with Odd Future, I was like, this is just too like I don't. I don't really have any of these, like, like my anti-authoritative streak was, like, towards my manager at work. It wasn't, like, or the pre- person who owned the business that I worked at. It wasn't, like, my teacher. It wasn't uh-huh. my mom. Uh-huh. You know? And uh-huh. that's kind of how I felt about, uh, like, those early Odd Future. I remember when Yon- when Yonkers came out. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, kind of the first song I really liked that was by tyler it felt a little bit more cohesive it didn't have the like edginess of this in the same kind of way even though it actually i think in some ways is was its own troll because tyler went on to say that it was like he wanted to make it like a a new york hardcore beat as like kind of like a parody of that style Uh um and uh it ended that song ended up being like hugely successful yeah and i i I still remember that part of like what really made me pay attention to it was Kanye West tweeted, I think in like a shortly after the song came out, he just tweeted a link to the video and said video of 2011. Yeah. Like it's the video of the year. And it's like, and then I watched it and I, and I remember kind of liking it, but also kind of disliking it. Yeah. Cause the video is like, if you haven't seen it, it's like, it's pretty grotesque. Like, yeah. It culminates in a suicide. Yeah. Uh, I recently boozy fade member, Jeff Hayward said it was a terrible song. I listened to it and I was like, man, I don't know if I would have thought that if I just heard it and was just thinking about how I used to feel. But now this song feels really dated, <laughs> like really dated. I'm sure there's still a lot of people who, I mean, people that think about Odd Futures, their fans are so diehard to the point that they've like disowned a lot of them. Uh huh. I mean, this is like Earl's whole thing about yeah. like moving forward is that he he rejects a lot of this early stuff because I think he he could see the real world impact of some of the stuff that he said in terms of like what it gave, you know, a lot of the odd feature fan base were like teenage boys yeah, and the kind of ideas that the music was propagating and yeah. kind of allowing them to think that is okay yeah. are things that maybe these people then took into their real lives and like harmed actual people with yeah. these like destructive behaviors. Yeah. So I think that's like Earl who's somebody who's like really forward thinking and has I think done a lot of reflection about his past. Yeah. It's like he, it's, it would be, I mean, it makes sense to me that he would want to reject everything associated with that. And he also, I think, calls them like uh, sort of incels. Incels, yes. You know, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, quite funny. Um, Tyler hasn't gone that far. No. I don't know if Tyler's even done the similar, a similar reflection. No, I don't he doesn't so. seem, he seems to have just like been like, I was young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to be like that. Now I'm not like that. Yeah. I'm not like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talks, you know? And then, you know, then it's like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, I got this new Ferrari. And I was hanging out with Rocky. And like, oh, my God, Rocky. And then Pharrell called me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think that I'm sure the song is, I mean, it is dated in some ways, but at the time, 
and it wasn't just that it was the song; it was the video as well. Yeah, the absolutely. video, just like I think with Earl's date with the 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 you know Earl's song, the song Earl. Yeah, it's like it's the video. It's the, how the the music matched the visuals is what mm-hmm. really had the big impact on it. Yeah, and I think this is like a, a really interesting part of like like Odd Features development was so tied to how the shifting world of music, which is another aspect that the music journalists were really interested in about them, is that they represented this whole new wave. They mm-hmm. all had these like when they start when they came out and they find out that there's nine members of them mm-hmm. and then you find out that they have these tumblers that are like full of music and mm-hmm. like drawings and like all kinds of inspiration mm-hmm. and stuff that really speaks to like the kind of stuff that they were trying to put out musically mm-hmm. and it was like a treasure trove for fans to like dig through mm-hmm. and like that just be kind of became the norm like yeah shortly after that like I, I remember like you know a little while later when like Joey Badass and the pro era crew was coming around i remember when the song survival tactics came out and i watched the video and i loved it mm-hmm. and then i started looking these guys up and i found all of their tumblers and they were all like these pristine tumblers mm-hmm. that i was like this is so directly cribbed from the odd future template you yeah, know yeah. you could already and i don't even think there had been that much time had elapsed between the two it could have been six to eight months yeah but it was just like so stark that it's like oh these people are like it's like this is just going to replicate there's a couple years in teenage years you know or time yeah. so, you know, that's right. Right? six months yeah yeah and i mean and even to this day when you look at something like brock hampton like without mm-hmm. odd future there's no brock hampton yeah, you sure. know like and not to mention they have the same management <laughs> yeah no i mean it's definitely it was it, it to me it was like this kind of funny thing where it was like this is it feels like quite like a 90s throwback in a lot of ways like the kind of like time where like triumph the insult dog comes out and you know just the general kind of like shock jock uh you know howard stern jerry springer kind of thing it was like odd, odd futures kind of like that except they were very like in on the joke mm-hmm. you know um it wasn't too long after to, lo- to some of the other odd future artists like frank ocean or earl started kind of going in their own lane um I mean, you know, now you might, you could probably make a pretty strong argument that Frank Ocean is the biggest odd future alumni. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, like, well, Frank's also like, he's on another level. It's like a transcendent artist yes, that is yeah. massively mainstream in a way that even Tyler, who's, I mean, this album that just came out from, it, from it might Tyler's, change things. It might change things. It's no hit number one. It sold 172,000 copies in the first week or equivalent album units. And, those are major numbers. That's yeah. like A-list numbers. You yeah, know, yeah. this is like, you know, it would it would not surprise me if Tyler is doing arenas by the end of the year. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that is to say, you know, we get a with Nostalgia Ultra, we have which is in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's you know, even though there, you know, uh, there is some odd future rapping on it, I believe uh, that it's it's still like a kinder, as I said last episode about Megan the Stallion, there were some kinder, gentler Megan the Stallion songs on the record. Uh, this is like, like a, the yin to the, the yang of the like provocative odd future aesthetic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like very, you know, pleasant kind of comforting music. Uh, and the, the funny thing is, is that odd future was at the same time. This wasn't like, a shocking contrast somehow. It was like they'd managed to situate themselves in such a way that all of this stuff could kind of be under their umbrella. Mm-hmm. I think that that was also part of what's so interesting about them is that it's like they contain multitudes in a way that felt very 
reflective of the fragmented teenage generation, like digital generation mm-hmm. where you're kind of like, you know, especially like thinking about like hip hop in general is like, for the most part, up until around this time, like the late uh, 2000s, like mm-hmm. early 2010s, most of the people that were what they were influenced by were their immediate surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, or like places that they had lived. Yeah. It was like, if you're from Houston, you're probably going to rap about Houston shit. If you're from Memphis, you're into Memphis stuff. Yeah. But what you're seeing here with Odd Future is that these are people who, I mean, like, it's in other words, it's like a parallel to Wu Tang. You know, Wu Tang's whole interest in like kung fu films and like, mm-hmm. you know, and like religion and how that and how that manifested itself is similar in a way to how Odd Future was influenced by a variety of like sources. They're influenced by like directors, they're influenced by certain rappers, influenced by non-rap music. It's mm-hmm. like and it's all geographically all over the place. And then what they're how it manifests itself in their music is that it's just like a collection of a variety of different influences, mm-hmm. which you can kind of draw a straight line to. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, it was like kind of, it was funny because it was music that I didn't really think was for me at first. Uh, but it's like, it's kind of a, it's hard to, uh, state if you weren't aware of it at the time, how huge Odd Future was. My God. Even just like their, the, their, the acronym yeah. of like, Odd Feature, Wolfgang, mm. Kill Them All, whatever the yeah, fuck it is, yeah. O-F-D-W-T-A, something <laughs> like that. You would just see that everywhere. Yeah, it was it's like, just like written on walls. Graffiti yeah. on walls. I would I would see people like on Facebook where, I think at the time on Facebook, you had like a little like sub Status. bio yeah, 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 yeah. that you could put on. And yeah. you would just see people who you would never expect to be yeah. fans of this music just have their those initials in there. And you're like, oh, you know, it was yeah. just like an interesting... It was, like, and their show, their early shows were like so legendary for how crazy they were. Tyler would jump off shit, and yeah. like it, they, it just seemed like such a rowdy, honestly, truly terrifying environment. Like I never <laughs> went to any of those shows, and I think at the time I was also just like, I, I don't know if I would fucking survive being in a crowd at like like that. It, they, even like fashion, you know, like if you think about sort of the rise of like dad hats, bands with like pulled, pulled up, up socks. socks. I'm wearing pulled up socks right now. Like all these years later, thank you, Tyler. Yeah, still happening. Supreme, everything. Like Supreme, yeah. He Supreme owes well. I mean, Fairfax Street in yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole like creation of a culture around like the streetwear shops that are that and skate shops that are in that area. Yeah, it was, and even yeah. I mean, it's funny because I was like, I've always been into streetwear. I was big into streetwear from sort of around two thousand five. And uh, streetwear is in kind of a funny place in uh, 2010. Like a lot of there was like a initial wave of all of these kind of brands in the middle of the decade, like Bathing Ape, uh, Mishka, Hundreds, mm-hmm. uh, Ten, Ten Deep. Deep, Crooks and Castles. And by 2010, a lot of that stuff had kind of fallen off. And Supreme like was still like relatively popular, but not nearly as popular as it was. Once kind of it became associated with Tyler wearing the sort of five panel caps and like all of that. And and, I, and to me, like the fact that when you, if you go to New York now, you can't walk outside that long in like lower Manhattan without seeing like a 13 year old Danish uh, boy with his mother who's carrying like five Supreme bags. <laughs> and like, to me, that is the odd future. Like, I don't think if Odd Future hadn't come around, that Supreme would be that, like, pervasive in, like, teen culture across the globe. It's true. It's really true. And, I don't know, musically at this time, Tyler's putting out projects. Like, he had his debut project, which is called Goblin, came Mm -hmm. out in 2011. 
and it was on XL Recordings, which is like the the very very well respected British label. Um, yeah, and like that song "Sandwiches" is on there. Yonkers is on there. Mm-hmm. She she, which is another big track. Once the album was pretty devi- divisively received, I think a lot yeah. of people thought it was good. But there were, I mean, most of the reviews are like pretty positive, but I think mm. there was like some, some reservations about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny also thinking about Odd Future's provocative side coming out really not too long before like uh, PC culture sort of came back into full swing, especially with like internet sort of etiquette mm. and how they've matured kind of along the same timeline to some degree. That's interesting. That's true. You know, because back in 2010, you, people said wild shit on the internet, like all the time. I mm-hmm. mean, that's why all these people get canceled and don't hold, host the Oscars and whatnot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> Like that was like part of the course in a lot of ways. And now, uh, you know, this, you gotta be careful what you say online. It's true. It's true. It, and just even the way that people kind of talk about each other, treat each other online, it's like like uh, it was much more antagonistic once upon a time. Uh huh. Tyler is like an an incredible troll. Yes. Yeah. Like he would say things that I'm like, I can't believe somebody who's famous would would say this stuff. Like, yeah. If you like, just like I mean, honestly, I think Tyler, who's like in the last few years, as we'll get into a little later, has like talked about like. A little bit, or like alluded to like queer identity, mm-hmm. the amount of homophobia that he yeah. like propagated yeah. in the early 2010s is fucking astonishing. Yeah, exactly. Like really shit that he said to like ago. Tegan and Sarah and stuff like that. Yeah. If you like just Google Tyler, Tegan and Sarah Oof. and just like read the shit that he fucking wrote to them. It's yeah. like, you're like, buddy, yeah. like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's this, it's, he had a hilarious tweet. Uh, about cyberbullying? No, about, okay. <laughs> about uh, Theresa May being gone, so he's like allowed back in uh, England. Uh-huh. And it's like, how if you listen, if it only heard the new Tyler album, you're like, how the hell did this guy get banned from a country? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When he does, it's not even like a criminal, you know? Uh-huh. Like it's not like he's like got caught some kind of shady past that's like haunting him. It's like he is like seen as being like he was like a hate monger. Uh huh. You know? Uh huh. I mean, when you have that fan base. And you're really riling up a bunch of yeah rowdy angsty teenagers. Also, we haven't really mentioned it, but a lot of white, a lot of a lot of white, white teens, white. a lot of problematic white teens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. After after Goblin came out, you know, I think as the years progressed, odd, the odd odd future as a collective started to kind of break apart mm-hmm. a little more. Part of that was like the I I felt like a lot of that was sort of like Earl coming back from Samoa. Seeing, like, kind of having had the time to kind of parse the meaning of that stuff mm-hmm. and uh, being like, ah, this isn't for me. And there'd been, I, I'd always kind of felt like Earl had been like sort of the great white hope of, uh, of Odd Future uh, that they would, he would come back and sort of bring, when he came back, he would sort of br- renew the energy in the group. Uh-huh. And instead, he was kind of like, what are you doing? Like, why are you guys saying fuck my mom? Like, uh-huh. you know, like he, that, that to me is sort of when everything changed. And when he started putting some distance between himself and Tyler and the greater, like odd future aesthetic. Yeah. And I mean, when, so the whole thing is like when odd future broke, Earl was missing. No mm-hmm. one knew where he was for all this time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he was in like a reform school in American Samoa, which if you don't know about these schools, it will blow your mind. Do a little little research on these schools. Do you know what these schools? Yeah. It's like 
say basically semi-legal kidnapping and like rampant child abuse in these in these schools oh really yeah it's really fucked up dark well yeah. i listened to this really great interview he did with uh the npr podcast microphone check where he talks about his experiences there and he like was working with he was like having to do research on like sexual violence and work with like and later, like when he came back to the U.S., like working with like sexual abuse victims, and and so he like really had to confront mm-hmm. the kind of like sh- jokes that he was making on on record that were so divorced from the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And then when, once he realized like the real lives are affected by the things that he was saying, mm-hmm. he was just like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, he was like, but then it was also it, he's also put in a tough position because it's also like, well, this is your career now. Like, yeah. This is like you know a viable way for you to like create the life that you want and having to kind of navigate how to deal with like his feelings about that and the music they were putting out was, I think a big challenge. Yeah. And not only that, he's like one of the most talented rappers of this time period. Mm -hmm. Like he is an incredible rapper. Um, you know, we've talked about him a little bit in in the past on here. Uh, one, one of my favorite rap albums of the decade is I don't like shit. I don't go outside. Which is like, it's kind of where, I mean, compared to his more recent record we talked about, which is a bit more abstract, and it's like, it's like he's in the full sort of swing, and I don't like shit of his like really technical, impressive rapping, but with a little bit more mature subject matter Mm -hmm. than in the early odd future days. We'll be right back to the episode in a moment, but I just wanted to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, and that's Native Instruments. So almost two decades ago, Native Instruments created the first DJ software to truly conquer the club. Since then, it's filled dance floors and sound systems across the world, as well as house parties, bars, beaches, and everything in between. Now with Tractor Pro 3, they've built on that path to bring new tools for sonic sculpting, utilizing the best sound quality ever and the clearest interface to date, so you can play whatever you want, however you want, wherever you want. We've teamed up with Native Instruments to offer our listeners 25% off Tractor Pro 3. Go to native-instruments.com and enter the code CATCHUP at checkout, and you'll get the discount added to your purchase. For, you know, I think within like a few years of Odd Future being out, I pretty quickly kind of like lost interest in them as a collective. Uh, I mean, like as Odd Future, I mean, Sid started doing her own thing with the internet. Really cool. There Mm -hmm. were some Haji Beats, like kind of Lucy's that were more kind of traditional like west coasty sort of stripper rap mm-hmm. uh that were cool. don't with genesis is pretty good yeah he's like a consistent like currency light rapper mm-hmm. you know like stoner but like really like proficient and like well well phrased rapper mm-hmm. but the, all of them were really kind of moving away from the odd future aesthetic except tyler who was kind of more just evolving it yeah so then i mean tyler ends up putting out wolf a little while later his um, second album which is also pretty well received mm-hmm. by critics but as we were mentioning like the kind of like odd future as a collective the wave was like really on its way down mm-hmm. um and the last real moment that it felt like they were really truly together as a crew was on their the of tape volume two mm-hmm. which i mean features some really good songs some great videos like the, the video for uh sam is dead and it's a really outstanding music video mm-hmm. i remember watching this video and be like man this guy's gonna direct movies one day like he's yeah. got like chops chops i mean not to mention that at this time they also had their show on you know adult swim yeah loiter squad it's yeah. a sketch show yeah so i think like they they were just like a really like a multimedia content creation studio um but i think that the high point of that album in this whole era is 
the song and video for the the song Oldie, mm-hmm. which features all of the members, every member rapping, including non-rapping members of the crew. Yeah. And it's like kind of just like a swan song for Odd Future as a movement. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's them at a photo shoot, just kind of bopping around. I think t- is fun. Terry Richardson doing the photos? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> wow. How uh, how times have changed. Yeah. Crazy. In a short seven years. Yeah. Um, but the song's amazing. It features an incredible rapped Frank Ocean verse. Should we uh, listen to it? Let's listen to a bit of Oldie from Odd Futures, the OF tape volume two. The big eared bandit is tossing all his manners in a bag and wrapping them in some rain around bandages, tossing them in baskets with the rest of those sandwiches. It looks like an accident. I'm flowing like my pad is the backseat. My bitch white and black, but she's been mimicking a panda. It's the dark skin nigga kissing bitches in Canada. The kicking all out like Mr. Lawrence did Pamela. Put her in the you keep filming. Yeah, so I mean, I think at that point, even even watching that video for the first time, I was like, it felt like this was the end of yes. something. Because yeah. I think it's like, if, you know, they're having fun in the video, but if you kind of really look closely at the demeanor of the different people, including Earl, mm-hmm. there is a certain feeling that, that it's like, it's almost like they've, as a crew overstayed their welcome together. Yeah. It's hard to keep like st- stuff like that together, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, especially when different levels of fame, different agendas, uh, they like, it's, it's inevitable, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it just, it like, there's something about it that just does, it almost feels like the montage at the end of like a, a TV series, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. And then Frank went on to design furniture. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, I mean, following that, like the next Tyler work that came out was Cherry Bomb, which I mean, and at this point, Tyler's like pretty accepted by the hip hop mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, he's got features with like Pusha T and like Lil Wayne and Kanye West. And like on this, like, you know, this album, he has a song with Wayne and Kanye called Smuckers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and he's like hanging out with Schoolboy, and like he like Tyler's just like out in the LA world. Yeah, and I think this album was like his most divisive album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this point, I remember I listened. I remember I listened to Smuckers, and I thought it was pretty good, but I was not interested in delving any further into any of his yeah. music. Yeah, at this point, I was like very not interested. I wouldn't mind when he would kind of come out with uh, a guest. He would be on a guest verse here or there, but mm-hmm. it was. My sights were really on uh, Young Thug, Future, the other, you know, most other rap that was coming out. At this time. Yeah. Um, So, and, you know, this whole time Tyler's kind of building an empire. He's got the Golf Wang clothing line. He's Mm -hmm. got, you know, obviously their shows like Loader Squad still on the air. They Mm -hmm. were, he was designing, you know, a a very popular fashion line. Like at this time, it was pretty hard to... Go, you don't really see it so much anymore, and if you mm-hmm. do, feels very vintage. Yeah. But it was hard to go somewhere and not see somebody with the OF like donut logo, the half eaten donut. I saw it the other day, and I was like, "That's actually looks pretty cool." Now it does look cool. It's it, like because it's retro, it's yeah. vintage. Like, yeah, six exactly. years later, yeah, seven years later, it's like actual vintage. You yeah, know? it's funny. It's it so had, of an era, and yeah. I also feel like you know, depending on who's wearing it. Yeah, like for instance, if I saw I'm 32, and 
if I was if I saw somebody my who like looked my age wearing it, I'd be like, nigga, take that shit off. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you? I I feel like it's like that. The the OF Donut logo is so evocative of a certain era mm. and of a certain age range. Right. If you're a skater, you can get away with it. Yeah. But otherwise, it's, I feel like it just looks questionable, especially when you consider all of the subject matter of their music in today's content. It just yeah. feels kind of I don't know. Yeah. But you see like a cool teen wearing it, you're like, okay. Wow, yeah, yeah that yes. Yeah. You were probably six when this stuff was coming out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um and yeah, like I mean I, I think yeah, Jordan and I both was kind of not really paying as much attention to Tyler as this at this time. I mean, yeah, and he really seems pretty happy as like kind of a a certain type of A-list rapper. Yeah, he got into you know, it's so funny when they first came into the game, they were kind of like they would mock rappers who talked about diamonds and jewelry mm-hmm. and they were all like yeah. making fun of those people. And then, you know, Tyler becomes super successful and very rich. And this motherfucker's talking about Ferraris and shit. Like, yeah. he really loves Ferraris. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, even uh, – I wonder how many people remember when Odd Future and ASAP had beef. And I don't. And, like, yeah. It was, I mean, I remember it better because I was a huge ASAP fan at the time, which I kind of talked about. Uh, this is right, right when, like – you know, uh, peso has come out like the, uh-huh. the super beginning, and it's. I think it was entirely internet based. I wouldn't be surprised if it was entirely manufactured. Hmm. But I, one thing I remember from it was like, I can't even remember. Maybe it was like Haji or someone tweeting about like these guys are like so lame in their clothes or something like that. And ASAP Nas being like, "We tote steel for real. Like, don't test us." <laughs> and like also Yams kind of talking, making fun of them a bit on his on like Tumblr and stuff like that. Interesting. And now like. They're two of the closest friends of uh, in hip like ASAP Rocky and Tyler, two of the like the like closest friends. I was like kind of chasing each around each other around. People like post videos of them with the captions like "Me and Bay." Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. It's like so funny. I, I I would be curious if it was totally manufactured. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Yeah, and I feel like you know as we get into Tyler's next album, like Flower Boy, I feel like that is this is like the kind of turning point. I think for me. And just like kind of rekindling my Tyler interest, even though I wasn't like all the way back on board, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, now musically he's gotten to a very interesting place that I find pretty unique. Mm-hmm. And you know, a big part of that was his like connection to ASAP Rocky. I mean, it was mm-hmm. at this point it was already like in this media that they were friends, but it's like when they started working together that I started to kind of like tune back into Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. There was like. There was the 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 uh, what the fuck right now the remix yeah, to like the, the, the Kanye, Kanye song, song yeah which was just like Tyler's it's like going insane going insane yeah just like bars 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 Tyler yeah. and I mean let's listen to Tyler the Creator what the fuck right now I'm not crazy I'm a fu- oh shit floopy goober motherfucker fucking goober they ain't ready for what we about to bring back. They ain't ready for Tyler with the green hat. They ain't ready for the Wang sack, niggas. Fuck is niggas talking about, nigga. We gonna die, legend. I hope you stacking. I hope you putting some money to the side, my nigga, and paying your taxes. Yeah. I hope you not incriminating you and your niggas on songs if you trapping. I hope you dressing yourself and not following niggas' opinions on fashion. I hope them cars that you driving ain't renting just to get some comments on gram. Oh shit, they all because you not the man. No self-esteem, hotter than lame. Zan every meal. You fucking weak and you robbing your plug. You ain't got no plan, but I'm not here to judge. Cause apparently you doing your thing. Yeah, shit, young nigga. I know they see me. Your pants got a flood, little bit Katrina. 
Oh, you wearing Vans and Springs? Yeah, and then, and Stop so that was like kind of like the the start of of paying attention to Tyler for me again. And he was like dropping these like he would drop these like kind of like freestyle songs like every few months. Yeah, and there'd be some like ASAP. He was on some of the ASAP Mob tapes. As That's well. right. And I mean the 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 single the lead single one of the lead singles from Flower Boy was a collaboration with ASAP Rocky mm. called Who Dat Boy. Yeah, which is a really yeah, good song. And still had a lot of that old Tyler kind of like, you know, that old Tyler like effect of like, mm. you know, even in the video is like, it's like kind of grotesque and he's like yeah, wearing yeah. people's faces and shit like that. You know? But there are also some softer songs on the album, the stuff with Frank or Steve Lacey. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and sort of like, it's, it's like him kind of maybe sort of coming out through the record. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, because he's been a, a troll his whole career um it seems like whereas other artists would maybe have gotten a bigger reception i think people were some people were a little more tentative about it yeah it's almost like they, they weren't sure if this was another like gimmick of some sort yeah, like prank a, almost. a prank yeah um but some of the music on this album was really truly excellent mm-hmm. and truly like massive amounts of growth like you mentioned the Frank song, like it's nine one one slash Mr. Lonely. It's with mm-hmm. Frank Ocean and Steve Lacey. And let's actually listen to a bit of nine one one slash Mr. Lonely. level of introspection felt a lot deeper than some of the other stuff mm-hmm. even or or it was i don't know if it was just like the way that that int- introspection manifested itself along with the production style mm-hmm. but on a song like pothole which features jaden smith like when you hear tyler talk about his come up and talk about like you know mentioning his manager uh the, like one of his managers the client like christian clancy by name and like the impact that he had on his life and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's like I feel like you're starting to see, like, you're seeing the reflection, a bit of the reflection in the music a lot more of, like, you know, at this point, he's been famous for five, six years, you know, mm. and it's starting to come out. In, like, I think that he's, like, I don't know, it just felt like this album, he was a lot more serious about about setting himself apart from his past in some ways. Yeah. There's, um, and then like, the Pitchfork review for um, ASAP Rocky's testing the um, author kind of he makes sort of an interesting claim that like he thought testing was inspired by Frank Ocean's work, especially like Blonde and just like a little bit more conceptually ambitious. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't I, I I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, 
But there, there is something to me about Flower Boy that does seem to owe a lot to Frank Ocean, hmm. you know, and and both in sort of the conceptual side and also just even the the sort of you know more intimate subject matter. Even the musicality is a little bit more kind of it's Frank like, you know, in uh-huh. some regard. Um, but you know, for I, I, for me, I. It, this was kind of a curious thing, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I got into it as much as I, I know a lot of people did this record. Uh, but the new Tyler Crater album, Igor, is an all timer to me. I think it's like one of the best records to come out this year, up there with the Solange record. Who is she is featured on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just the features are so well chosen, like Cardi and Uzi. Uh, it's like, you know what I like thought, thought my first time I listened to this, what everybody else seems to enjoy about childish Gambino. This is what this is for me. Huh? Um, because like, what do you mean by that, James? So, uh, you know, childish Gambino is like, I thought was the corniest rapper in the world for a few years. And then he came out with, you know, Redbone. And, like, it's a good song, but it is basically just kind of like a... And the whole album to me, uh, Awaken My Love, is just kind of like... It's okay, sort of, like, 70s-style funk and soul done again. Uh And it doesn't really have the kind of flavor... To it or the originality that I felt like a lot of people were giving to it. I love, you know, Don Glover as like an actor. I love Atlanta. It's one of like the best shows of all time. I'm just really not a big fan of his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet he's enormously popular. I mean, he's, he does stadiums. Yeah. And uh, Igor is sort of almost like a similar turn to me in, in terms of him. It's sort of like a, a breakup album. It's like about, it's sort of a, a, a more intimate side of him. It's more melodic. Uh and yet, it's much more interesting to me. It's a lot more artistically uh, particular and and driven, uh, and it yeah, it's sort of a similar has almost like atmospherically a sort of a similar album. Yeah, it's like it's this is this is a very ambitious and well executed album, basically from top to bottom, um, and. Yeah, I think that the songs hit on a on a new a completely new register for him. Mm-hmm. I think that he kind of like he started this turn with Flower Boy mm-hmm. and this is it like being fully realized. Yeah. I mean, if you think of a song even like Earthquake, which is like one of the lead singles from this this album it's is probably like, going to be one of the songs of the summer, I would say. Yeah. It's it is it is a truly beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um and the video's great. Got Tracy Ellis Ross in the video. Yeah. Still got that Tyler sense of humor, yeah, and like you know, with um, and also th- this song, he actually initially wrote it for Justin Bieber. That's so funny. And Bieber like turned it down. He's probably regretting that now. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if it would hit the same if it was Justin. Yeah, it wouldn't. You know, let's be real. Um, he uh, he asked Rihanna to do the backing vocals on this song, and yeah. she turned it down. Yeah. So he just did it himself. <laughs> but let's listen to a bit of Earthquake, which has kind of got like a bit of a. A neo soul vibe to it. Yeah, it's gonna get stuck in your head. Yeah, stuck in mine right now.
crashing down. I need you. Cause you make my also just like really really expert use of, of playboy cardi on that mm-hmm. song like my favorite rapper yeah um what else did you really like on this album um i mean i like the i think i think with solange mm-hmm. i like uh honestly i i just like how diverse it it it's how, how it sounds each song sounds different and yet it's still so cohesive like a um new magic wand or boy is a gun or um, I like what's good because I feel like talking about like all these new like textures and tones he's going for, mm-hmm. and then he does like a, a like a just like kind of a straight rap song, and mm-hmm. that still sounds like really then, great. Yeah, exactly. In an, in the new construct, um, let's listen to a bit of what's good. Turn my lights on. How the fuck you cry with the mic on? I don't get excited, you Sam Bowie ass niggas. I just get my mic on. Y'all said I wouldn't go nowhere. I took the detour. When you see the summer, the crack right by the seashore. When you see them brand new leaf floors on the floor. If the cop says my name, bitch, I'm E-Cop. Our producer Kyle brought up like a good point about this record, uh, which is that there's seemed to be some mixed reception to it based on the fact that Tyler didn't kind of fully come out and hasn't really generally atoned for the sort of uh, destructiveness of his like the past kind of homophobia that he sort of seemed to espouse, even if it was sort of in a winking trolling manner. Um and whether that how much that kind of plays into our uh reception of of the album in terms of him either coming out and kind of using that to sort of uh either you know either justify or juxtapose the his use of like homophobic slurs as like prevalently as he did in his early career especially at the time when we also didn't really mention this but uh, if you go back and listen to 90s rap, a lot of homophobic slurs. By yeah. 2010, there weren't a lot of rappers who were using homophobic slurs in the same kind of way. Uh-huh. I mean, it still is in the music. It still is, but not, like, not honestly, a... not nearly as much. Yeah. Like, when it That's happens, it's a notable thing. Go back to listen to, like, five uh, deep cuts from any, like, rap album in in uh, 1997. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a lot a lot more intense. Hmm. I mean, if, if, uh, the Eminem, our our last episode, or not last episode, Fuck. our previous episode on Eminem really drove home the, the extent of how intense the homophobia was at that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also, I think the culture was just homophobic, yes, you know, in a way. Like uh, people talk about how, like the amount of like homophobic jokes in Friends. Yeah, is like would astonish you today. If yeah, you come exactly. Back and watch it. Uh, um, which I don't encourage you to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's an interesting argument. I think it's a very fair point. I think that to completely absolve Tyler and kind of let him move on without needling him a little more for the kind of, you know, virulent homophobia that was a part of his public image and his music at that time, I think is... It's fair. It's, yeah, you can't, you can't let him just skate off into this new critical adoration without interrogating him on his past or having asking him to put together 
some coherent thoughts about what he said and what he did and what was going on in his life at that time and the impact that that may have had on a lot of impressionable young people. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I totally agree. Uh, I think, you know, people are entitled to have uh, private sexualities uh, and that, yeah, I mean, maybe like, okay, maybe it did do damage. Maybe it didn't, but like, it's sort of like, uh, I, at least for me and like my enjoyment of this album, um, it's like pretty clear to me that at least he is uh, expressing himself from something like a, a queer perspective. And I like, I just don't think it's like up to me to, to sort of to give him some kind of threshold that he has to, of queerness to that he has to reach in order to like have like be absolved of that stuff. I, I absolutely agree. I just want to make it clear that I'm not saying that I think that he needs to attach his, like his sexual identity in, and look at it in the context of what he said. I think that he just has to answer for what he said. That's what I mean. But like, I, I think that there, there's this kind of a sense of ability that it's like all of that stuff he was saying at the time is different if he was queer and that that just recontextualizes it. Uh-huh. Fair. And and so if that's sort of the case and that people are waiting for him to come out and sort of be ra- waving a rain- rainbow flag, although actually when I think back and I think there was actually a lot of rainbow OF merch back in the day, hmm. uh, but like literally to be coming out and kind of be waving this rainbow flag and say like, listen, that that's why I was saying it all. It was all kind of part of my own hmm. process of my own sexual identity. And for me, like, I think it's fine the way that he's handling it and uh, it's like the story is not fully written yet. So let's just like kind of keep seeing where this goes because kind of part of this album is this narrative of, of a, a boy leaving Tyler mm-hmm. for a woman. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. And I, and it, for me, like it's not like, it's not like I'm pro homophobia. I, I wasn't even really a fan of him back then. And maybe that's part of why I, the fact that I wasn't super interested in Tyler mm-hmm. from 2010 to 2013, that the how I can just appreciate this record as like a standalone art artifact or mm-hmm. object. Uh, but yeah, but that's just me. I mean, like everyone has different thresholds for, for these kind of things and far be it for me to say how anybody should react to Tyler's past mm-hmm. in regards to his new work. True. Fair points. I mean, I think just across the board, as a standalone artifact, this is a fucking excellent album. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the best of this year. For sure. It's one of the best of the last few years, really. It's like, and I feel like it's something that it's like, I really feel like it's going to have the longevity just because of how rich the production is and like the the lyrical composition of some of the songs and like the Mm -hmm. emotions. I feel like this is going to be an album that you can play over and over again. I wouldn't have expected this from Tyler, I got to say. Mm-hmm. I would have always thought he would be kind of winking a little bit too much. He's too into trolling. Mm-hmm. Even with Flower Boy, that was kind of like my takeaway a little bit from it. Like, yeah, he is maturing, but he's still kind of keeping that like, yeah, Dennis the Menace attitude a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, this album feels very mature, very grown up. One of the, you know, one of the things we're always kind of like talking about on this uh, podcast is like where hip hop's going, where music's going. Mm-hmm. And, one of the things I was thinking about, it's sort of in reference to what I was saying earlier about Frank Ocean, is I wonder if 
there'll be more of a push after sort of the great uh, song dump streak, like file dump streak of of badly sequenced, badly put together albums for to sort of rip off streaming numbers. Culture Two by the Migos. Yeah, um, you know, and the, the the plenty of Migos records, even Scorpion by Drake, and yeah. All those albums that kind of came out last year that didn't feel like cohesive at all. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to see more artists sort of push back on that because, frankly, I don't think any of that stuff worked out in those artists' favor. It's true. I think that like they sold a lot, but I think that the damage that it did to their credibility and yeah. kind of like name as an artist is going to impact their next few albums in terms of how interested people are in them. I generally think that I'm. I can say like when I'm DJing, I'm much less interested in playing Migos out than I. I once was, hmm. you know, like the culture, I think is one of, it's like an incredible album, the first yeah. culture. Yeah. And yet, honestly, because of the, like the saturation we had in 2018 of Migos. Yeah. It's like less, less appealing. It's and true. That, you know, now like the album exists as it has for the last, you know, whatever, 60 years, 70 years, because that was like the means of distribution. You know, you're going to, if you're going to make a record, put it out with a bunch of songs, you know, if they're an artist, maybe they're going to make it a cohesive project. Maybe it's just going to be a collection of songs. Now, if you want to put out an album with a hundred songs on it, you can and call it an album because there's no, you know, physical limitations to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually probably a bad idea. What is a good idea is putting out these more conceptually rich projects that like actually kind of take your fan base seriously. And I, and I, I hope, you know, if we look at sort of like the Solange record, the Earl record, you know, even ASAP Rocky testing, yeah. Frank Ocean, most of like the, the people, the Kendrick, Kendrick's work, SZA, you know, the, the artists that we really like love of recent times, a lot of them are the people who are putting out the most cohesive works. Hmm. The album still does matter. Yeah. That's it for this week. Just a few more things. Once again, please uh, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash catchup podcast. All of your contributions go a long way to ensuring that we can keep this podcast going and growing. Um, follow us on Instagram. It's Instagram. It's at, at catchup podcast. Uh, yeah. And let us know your thoughts, your feelings, your concerns, what you'd like this to talk about. And feel free to put a screenshot on your Instagram while you're at it and yeah. tag us in it. Tag cat at catchup podcast. So we can, repost and brag about people listening to our podcast yeah um if you're in toronto we will be at the shop this friday night it's uh boosie fate 36 you're gonna want to be there it's gonna be a very very exciting night shout out our producer kyle as always for all the incredible hard work the man the myth and the legend um and uh yeah if you feel like telling a friend about catch up or even if you don't feel like it if you, you don't do feel it. like it just you know what i'm sure you have friends where you're struggling to find common ground you're growing adrift as you get older <laughs> this could be a way you could uh, build a bridge find some common interest you could say next time you see him have you heard of catch up the podcast next time you see him after that what did you think of the most recent <laughs> episode of catch up <laughs> you know it's great that's a great idea um, but thank you once again for listening and we will talk to you very soon. I also should mention that we, we have two more episodes left for the summer and then we're going to take a break until the fall. We I may- feel like we might put out some episodes here and there yeah, during we might that, pop in. but the weekly, the weekly, the, the weekly thing is just, you know, summer's hot. We need to take a break. We're, we're going to go inside. Too. Yeah. We're going to go, t- we're going to go outside and, uh, relax a little bit, yeah, but then but- we'll come back 
super strong when the fall hits. Yeah, but if, you know, we find out that Drake has got another hidden child or, <laughs> you know, there's a new Kendrick album or something, it's not to say we won't be there for that. That's right. That's right. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you soon.